Hey friends, thanks for listening to the Axiom Podcast. Um, We're a community centered around experiencing Jesus together and practicing his ways as a community. Uh, We like to say in Peoria as it is in heaven. Um, So this podcast is just space for discussion and exploring um, ideas and principles of the kingdom and also where we post uh, our sermons from Sunday gatherings. So um, please engage us online and uh, hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome in to, you know, I guess I can still say it, Happy Easter, uh, because resurrection is still a thing, and he is risen. There you go. All right, we're going to figure this out. Uh, Easter tide is something that the church has done for a long time, and we figured we didn't need to be rebels, and we could just, you know, go along with mom and dad for a little bit. And so Easter tide is a time where we declare the resurrection of Jesus because we confess here at Axiom that the resurrection is as real as Christ's death on the cross. And we tend to kind of get a little lopsided there at times. And so this gives us an opportunity to say yes to all that resurrection brings. But I want you to think about this for a second. Think about your own journey as a Christian or as a witness to the Christian faith Typically, in the you know, Protestant Western church, what we see is this major emphasis on the cross. And, and that's where like, you know, the sins were paid for on the cross, right? And, and Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We hear that kind of gospel. And if that's all that's required for you to go to heaven, well, who cares about resurrection? See the problem? The debt's been paid on the cross. He didn't have to resurrect. And so on Easter, in Easter tide, we say, no, 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 this is, it's both and, it's the death and the resurrection that matters, because we are both human and spirit, we are body and spirit, and God reclaims the body in its fullness. And so during Easter tide, the church has chosen to take time, just as they did in Lent leading up to the cross, they've taken time to go out of Easter, focusing on the appearances of Jesus uh, in his resurrection form. Because here's the really, really good news about this, is that Jesus didn't just die on the cross and then say, peace out, you guys are covered. See you in heaven when you get there. That would be Gnostic, by the way. The idea that, like, you know, none of this matters. It's just what happens later in our spirit body or something. No, he comes back in the physical, and he hangs out. In fact, he doesn't just come back. He makes a point to come back at mealtime almost every time. He had a thing. He had a thing for food. And he shows everybody his body and says, look, I'm here. And so, so we're going to get into it. And so with the church lectionary, we're in John chapter 20, uh, verse 19. You can turn there and read along um, if you'd like, or it'll be up here. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. There's the body. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. 
As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, we can leave this up because I'm going to eventually just go verse by verse through this. But I, I want us to start, before we dig in and start mining for gold and, and doing the thing that we so are, are used to doing, I want us to first think about the relational hermeneutic here that we're supposed to, when we approach the text, think about what does this mean about God's desire to be with me. I want to encourage you guys in your own study times to think that way when you're opening your Bibles. And when we read this notion that that Jesus returns from the dead and doesn't just quickly get back to dad, right? Instead, he chooses to quickly get back to you. And not just to come back with you, but to show show you himself and, and to offer you peace. I love this, that Jesus desires uh, this deep, tangible relationship with us, and, and death won't keep him from us. Sin no longer has to keep us apart. That's what Easter says again and again. And that's why Easter continues. Because we live, guys, we live in a world where, where we're still afraid We live in a world where we're still enslaved. And as long as we choose to live in that world, we're choosing to ignore the new world that God is creating in His resurrection. Remember, the tomb is empty. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? We continue to struggle with this transfer from living in the cemetery to living in the new creation. And and Jesus brings all of this with us. And if you remember back from Easter weekend, when we looked, Mary goes and she, she finds this gardener and John's up to something there. John's pointing out, he's tying this new creation to the original creation story, right? That of course his resurrection would happen in the garden. John wants us To see this, that what's been broken in the garden is now being restored in the garden. This broken thing about this relationship with God that falls apart at sin is started to put back together at new life. And John wants us to see how all that works and gets along. That's why Easter's the dawning of new creation. Paradise lost is now paradise restored. And John keeps it going. He doesn't stop there. And we pick it up in verse 19, and he's, and you gotta, you gotta listen carefully, but it's right here. On the evening of that first day, already, John is alluding to something. He's pointing something out. Pay attention. He's saying, look, look, on the first day in the evening, and in his clever account of the story, helps us see that the resurrection is tied to the first day of creation itself, that creation in Genesis is now being restored in the new creation of Jesus. 
in his resurrection. And just as Adam and Eve, and if we remember in, in, in their account that in the evening, of the, uh, the, that the, God came to them in the evening while they were hiding. And what's happening in the story? Who's hiding now? The disciples are hiding in, the, in the, what we presume is the upper room because of the other accounts. And Jesus comes to them there. And when God came to Adam and Eve, he says, he says, hey, where are you? And they said, well, I was afraid and hid. And the disciples hiding in the upper room, Jesus comes to them in the evening, and he says, peace. Peace. Now, before we dig into that, I want us to see this, that in new creation, unlike in the garden in verse 19, we read that the doors were locked for fear of, and you could fill in the blank, because what this is helping us see here is that in our fears and in our sins, we've Lock the doors. And we talk about it like sin has separated us from God, right? And that there's this chasm between us. But Jesus comes and breaks that, right? In his death and resurrection. And now locked doors don't mean nothing to Jesus. That's what I love about this text. that They make a point to say the doors were locked and yet Jesus came and stood among them. This is really good news for every one of us, by the way. Because every one of us has started locking doors at times. Or we have locked doors. We have these places that we we just can't let God in, or we can't let others in, or we can't access ourselves. But Jesus in his resurrection, in the new creation, and restoring it all says, "I, I can deal with locked doors. I can deal with the sin. I can deal with the fear. I can deal with whatever this is. And so he comes in just as God came to them in the garden. And when God calls out, where are you in the garden? He's he's, um, acknowledging the separation. He knows where they are, but he's acknowledging the separation. He's respecting the grievous decisions of Adam and Eve. But Jesus comes with his holy words and he says, peace be with you. And and to those that have locked doors, these are the best words you could ever hear. To those that you bump into as you're out and about and your eyes are activated and your heart is activated towards others and you see people in their fear and you see people in their despairs and you offer to them not just the words, but the sanctified words, the presence of God in the word, peace be with you. You are demonstrating new creation. You are saying to their fear, saying to their shame, saying to their sin that there's peace for you also. And that's what Jesus is saying to all this, this is all his homeboys hanging out in the room scared. He says, guys, peace. I bring you peace. And in these holy words, he undoes the curse of evil and sin, and he offers the kingdom and all that comes with it. And, and, and not just the peace, but the Spirit of God. 
And this is why their fear turns to here in verse 20. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said it a second time. He actually will say it three times. but He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And again, the comparisons continue. This time it's not just in the garden, but it's that Jesus is saying, hey, just as I've been sent, you too will be sent also. What the Father does, Jesus does, and what Jesus does, we now do too. This is known as the Great Commission of John. That Jesus comes and sends us to, in our new creation, participate in the very thing that he has finished, we now begin. We're picking Jesus up. We're carrying his spirit with us. We now have, in our very real physical body, and spiritual soul, the person and presence of Christ through God's Spirit. We're being sent. And the comparisons are multi-layered here again. This is the whole deal, John. Because we know that Jesus was sent by God when he received the Holy Spirit. That at his baptism, right, His earthly baptism, the Spirit descends on him like a dove, and then the Spirit sends him out. And now, at the baptism of new creation, at the the death and resurrection of Jesus, there's a sending again, but it's all of us. And we're all caught up in it as followers of Christ. And with that, in, in verse 22... Jesus now breathes the Holy Spirit into us, giving us new life. Verse 22, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, again, John's still living in the garden, isn't he? And we automatically think back to Genesis 2, 7. When, when God breathes, breathes into our nostrils, and he, he, and he takes what is physical and he makes it spiritual. He says, you're, 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 you're not angels because you've got a body, and you're not hamsters because you've got a spirit. You're humans, and you're, you're made in my image, and he, and, he, and he gives us life at creation, and now Jesus turns, and he gives us life, new life, by receiving his Holy Spirit. And we are born again, created again. And something now is fundamentally changing, which means that if the pattern's going to continue, that this, here's the crazy thing, that if they're getting wise by now and they're realizing, wait, everything you were doing with us, we're now, we're now doing, and, and what, you, what God was doing with you, you're now doing with us, which means eventually what's going to happen to them? Their bodies are going to come back. Resurrection isn't just for Jesus. It's for you also. 
And guys, if I'm honest with you, when, when, I, when I meet with you in the office and we talk about sickness and we talk about disease and when I get bad news from the doctor, I forget. I forget sometimes. God leaves nothing out. That's the story of Easter, that God leaves nothing out. All of it is being made new. All of it. It's incredibly hopeful and promising. I'm just astonished by Jesus, if I'm being honest. John does such a good job of helping us see what's happening. I want to be a part of this movement. I want to be part of this work of the Spirit that's now at work in the people. I want to be a part of this loving union that Jesus and God have and are now making available to us to have not just with them but with each other. We get that if we want it. And, and all of our locked doors get, get unlocked if, if we want it. Because God deeply desires intimacy with us in fullness, the, the whole way. This is why we pass the peace on, on Sunday mornings. We're, we're living this out. We're saying yes. But there's one more verse here in verse 23. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Just as the pattern has shown, we now do what Jesus did. We now pick up where he finished. But here's the key. This business of repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand, that work that he started, right, that we're now doing on his behalf before he goes to be with the Father, that work that he's telling us we're going to participate in, of calling others into forgiveness, into this same new creation, that it could be thought here that that's something that you do and you do and you do and you do. But I want to be really clear. It's something that the Spirit of God does in you with the peace that He has in you. That's important because I've, I've, I have been told to repent many times. And probably needed to every time. But it didn't always come in a spirit of peace. And it wasn't always directed by God's spirit. Sometimes it was just because my mom was sick and tired of my potty mouth. Or whatever it was. And she was good for calling me to repent, by the way. But what I want us to see here is that the participation into new creation and all the restoration that's involved is that that is not, God's not interested in just do, doing a car wash thing for everybody and calling it good. He's interested in all of us getting in there and participating in the whole dang thing. 
and it's marvelous, and it's good. But it's his authority and his power by way of the Spirit that does this. And guys, when you're trusting the Spirit, I know it's hard. If, like, if we're just really honest for a second with each other, sometimes it's hard to discern the Spirit's voice, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to know the distinction between, oh, is that my voice or God's voice? What I want to say to that real quick before we wrap up is that that's why you're in community. That's why this is not sufficient. You have to enter into each other's homes, open the word together, pray together, learn together, be a, participate in discipleship, all these things because we have, we have this thing that we're carrying out together with God in his spirit. And God's spirit, we believe, pra- it, we, we practice a community hermeneutic, which means that we discern God's voice together. Now, there's a few of you here that have walked with Jesus for a really long time, and you know pretty well his voice. And when the, when the shepherd calls, the sheep fall. And I, good job, that's amazing. And, and please, disciple us. See, see how that works. I want us to see that, because that's part of this Easter thing too. All right, Jesus, help us in this. Help us to to choose to follow, to choose to, to dive in, to not settle for, uh, settle for some theology of just uh, death and heaven, but, but that there's new life also, and that your resurrection, God, is, is, is as much for us as it was for you, Lord. That's such good news. Now, Lord, help us by the power of your Spirit, by the sending that you give us to enter into that new life with you and with one another, Christ. We trust you in this. We walk patiently but faithfully in this new life that you have offered to us. And God, for those in the room that uh, feel the locked door but also sense that there's something here, God, I pray that you would help them distinguish between the resistant voice of theirs and the invitational voice of your spirit and that they would trust not the other voice, but your voice, God. Help us in that together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please stand.